You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSoundWeb podcast network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their line of pro studio headphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath. Check out the AHM Matrix family, AHM64, AHM32, and AHM16. 96 kilohertz FPGA-powered sonic powerhouses for projects of all sizes. Signal to Noise would like to welcome new sponsor RCF, pro audio manufacturer of professional line array, subwoofer, and loudspeaker systems, as well as portable sound solutions and audio tools for your production studio. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection drives the design of every product to create unique experiences for customers and audiences around the globe. Visit RCF at rcf-usa.com for the latest news and product information. RCF, the sound behind the experience. I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Signal Joys podcast. I'm Sam Boone, joined today hanging out with Mr. Chris Leonard. How are you doing, Chris? I am doing good, and I think this might be the first episode where it's just you and I as co-hosts. It is. They've left me to my devices with pretty much everyone else, so we'll see. Nice. You never nice. know what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I, am, um, uh, I just had an amazing sushi dinner. Uh, I'm in New York doing a show, and... Uh, I probably could have sat there and ordered a few more plates, but uh, my wallet and this podcast was coming up, and so both of which uh, impeded me from continuing. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but We're I saving you, Chris. <laughs> We're saving you from yourself, although it looked real, real good. Like that. Oh, I'm my goodness. Now, it was amazing. I, I grub-hubbed sushi to the house and was like, that's, that's what's <laughs> after this. Not going to lie. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, well, house. Housekeeping? Housekeeping. Because I, I always forget it. Yeah, I don't know how much housekeeping we have right now. I mean, shout out to you know our sponsors, Alan Heath, um, Audix, and RCF. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Um, uh, continual shout out to the Rody Clinic. Uh, we've been talking a bunch about um, you know uh, work-life balance and burnout and things like that. Uh, actually, just after we record this, we're going to do a Zoom hang um, and kind of continue the conversation, allow um, some of y'all to... to speak your minds we've been blabbing it up about this let's give you guys some space to kind of talk about this and help each other out and learn uh, michael's got a book coming out that he apparently doesn't want to talk about yet it's on the internet and 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 it's not a secret at this point so um he's been sharing at least some of the what the, the look of it is and stuff in the discord server um on his website there's a sign up for when the release is it should be soon it's going to be freaking awesome, um, and we expect every one of you to buy at least three copies. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all the real housekeeping I got. Sam, who uh, who are we graced with tonight? All right, so today we are we've convinced, lured in Mr. Pat Rowe, a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful friend, uh, killer monitor engineer, awesome tech. Uh, just he's been mixing monitors for Volbeat. Poor guy had to deal with me for a little bit on that, and uh, was the monitor tech on that before he became the modern engineer, which is something I want to pick his brain about. Uh, he's also worked for Godsmack in various capacities, both live and studio, and definitely killed it and done a lot of work with ultrasound. So welcome to the Signal Noise Podcast, Pat Rose. Nice. Welcome. Thank you. I'm honored. 
<laughs> so, Pat, you were telling us just before we started recording that you were doing your homework uh, uh, and listening to some episodes before coming on. So, uh, how did that uh, homework go? Yeah, uh, you know, well, I, he's I spent, here. I spent uh, a good deal this week, uh, elbow deep in a uh, video rack at a local arena, putting some new gear in, and I uh, had my iPhone blasting several episodes of Signal to Noise. Um, I just, you know, you got to learn the vibe. You can't just roll into the podcast and uh, pretend you know what's going on. So, uh, <laughs> that's what we do every week. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't tell. It sounds like it's all uh, planned and I'm thoroughly not sure uh, curated. Not, anyway, and, uh, we never know what we're doing. <laughs> Fun fact. But you had a excellent idea, and I want to challenge our community with this. So, what was your idea? Oh, I thought it would be funny uh, to roll in this with like a bingo card to give everyone. Yes. And just and just watch the chaos ensue. Because I feel like the, uh, recurring themes always come up. Like you always just, you pretty much beat the contestant until they say Alan and Heath or like, uh, <laughs> you know. Midas, Alan and Heath. Yeah. Uh, well, like, come on, analog. say it. Come on, say it. And then you, you well, bring on people who exclusively mix on the console. And, <laughs> And then Michael asks, I'll be like, oh, I'm coddling my Avantis right now. And, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's see what happens. I, I, I will say we uh, uh, well, it's not out yet. It will probably it'll be out before this episode. Uh, you know, we, we did have a conversation with Bob McCarthy uh, and Josh from uh, from Meyer. And again, it's you know, I, I do like that. While yes, we do have sponsors and Alan Heath, RCF, Audix. But they, none of them control who we have on the podcast. Uh, we constantly talk about every other manufacturer, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. So I do, you know, that's something we, Michael, instilled early on that, like, hey, we're going to be transparent. Uh, we're not going to talk, like, utter trash about any vendor. We're also not going to over-glorify for the sake of just because somebody happens to be, you know, sponsoring and things like that. So I think I think we try to be pretty authentic there. But yeah, your, your best thing was, as you said, to be a, a Ryan or John space. And my, what I was going to say was that basically is just the free space, right? I mean, that would be like the free space in the middle would be Ryan or John. Rhino John, something about Meyer. Um, and insert whatever manufacturer it, are the guest mixes on here. Someone says my wave server crashed or <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. I think these should be stickers. I think these should be the new podcast stickers. Uh, and we should I, make I, I imagine there's gotta be uh, and we're probably not the ones that notice it the most. Uh, other people, you guys probably would, but like, I'm sure there are things that like I say on repeat, Kyle says on repeat, uh, I'm curious to see here what those are. So, Chris, you're always good for like a joke that makes like the whole chat stop for like a half <laughs> second and be like, "Oh my god, did he just did he just say that?" Yeah, and, yeah. and then everyone just carries on. It, you know, that'd be a good that'd be a good square. Um, I, yeah. Which, for the record, the episode that came out today, Shelby's. I think I did that with the um, the zombie book. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, the uh, yeah you uh, is that a, is that something Easter? about Easter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right, let's let's, let's get into this. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so Pat, are you are you ready for the pop quiz? Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> Awesome. All right. So you started out on Volbeat as the tech, right? I did. So yes. tell us kind of how you got into this industry, into everything, because you, you clearly have started one place that you were no longer currently in. So what's what's that been like? 
And please um, mention every manufacturer of every piece of gear that you worked on, too. I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's like six manufacturers. I'm pretty consistent, honestly. Uh, no, you know, um, kind of. Uh, so I went to school for uh, the program I went to at UMass Lowell. Um, was called Sound Recording Technology. It was more like a studio uh, kind of music hybrid, um, you know, with a little bit of science mixed into that, uh, some calculus and whatnot. And, uh, you know, trying to find your space in that world where, you know, nowadays the studio environment's pretty um, hostile and kind of, not hostile, but hard to get into, right? It's, it's, it's the point of entry is uh, not like it used to be per se. Um, so I kind of was, you know, was looking for that niche where I'm going to fit in. And, um, a friend of mine whose mom had worked for the local union in Boston, uh, was, you know, just looking for able-bodied college kids to start pushing boxes for, you know, the garden or the Xfinity center or anywhere in Boston. And, uh, you know, recruited a bunch of, bunch of my friends and we all just got into it and, you kind of got the bug there, you know, when you roll into a loadout and you get that kind of first pump of adrenaline and you're like, the chains start falling out of the air and you have no clue what's going on, right? <laughs> you're just, you're pusher, you're pusher number 52 and you just got to get the box to the truck. But, you know, it, it kind of gives you that, uh, you know, that, that taste of the thing we're all ways after, you know, all of us. And uh, started doing that and then uh, looked for a company to start interning for for my degree and uh found a company rainbow out of atkinson new hampshire they're, they're no longer around but uh they were doing godsmack and and full beat eventually and wiz khalifa and you know they had a, a pretty good catalog of touring clients and i knew i wanted to get into that environment so i i called the one number on the website which was uh my good buddy now uh but at the time was you know a pretty intimidating fella uh, goes by the name of Scott Kachuk. He was uh, awesome dude. Um, mixes Godsmack, so I must have called him like 25 times until he finally picked up, and then uh, showed up, started working, and uh, within a couple months, they were looking for a tech for uh, a Godsmack tour, and I was, you know, the audio fly tech patch guy kind of vibe. That's where I first met Denny. Uh, that was him and I's first tour together in 2015, and uh, from there it's all been downhill. <laughs> uh, and, and now I'm on a podcast, so uh, there you go. But this is definitely the bottom of the hill, just so you pre- know. Yeah. pretty much, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. But um, you know, uh, the Volbeat thing came into fruition. Uh, my first taste of Volbeat, uh, I got a call on a Sunday that I. They're like, hey, uh, do you have a passport? I'm like, yeah. You know, I had to get it for that Godsmack thing for the two Canada dates we did. Uh, and they're like, cool. Uh, we need you to fly to Norway on Tuesday to go help fly PA for, you know, this tour that they have going. They, you know, for one way or another, it, it got understaffed. So they needed one more guy to go out. So I'm like, I couldn't even point to Norway on a map, you know, I, but let's go. So. Ended up with that, flew PA for a tour, got familiar with everyone, and then uh, eventually, uh, a couple months later, um, same kind of deal. They needed a, a monitor tech out there ASAP, and uh, thankfully, it, it, was in, it wasn't Norway, but it was New Jersey, and uh, I got there soon enough. So that's, that's a little closer than Norway, 
and uh, I've I've done every show Volbeat's done ever since uh, 2017 or less. So that's awesome. I, I and you yeah. had a count at one point. Uh, yeah, uh, it's in my phone somewhere. Uh, he has he I, has a number. Oh, it's like that's it's fun. like one one seventy something. I think. Yeah, wow, that's right. That's awesome. That's one thing I wish uh, I've seen people who, who've like been able to count like either you know uh, shows with either an artist or individual tours and things like that. And um, uh, it's yeah, it, you don't think about it when you're doing it. In hindsight, you're like, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to know like what that number is. So I'm, I'm glad you you kept on that. But I you know I want to highlight the importance of. Um, how that first simple yes to go go fly PA in Norway really like I mean that literally changed your life right like that's um, it's similar to me like when uh, I've mentioned about like when I got one my, my first monitor tour was the Saving Glover thing and like show up to rehearsals and like hey you wanted a tour yes you know it was like a, it was a quick thing and uh, you know um, and uh, that's um, just be, being ready and willing to take these opportunities when they when they come along. And, and you never know what's going to come of it. You know, you, you weren't thinking at the moment like, oh, this could, this is where I'm going to be for the next couple of years. I, you know, I'm sure that's not where it was. Like, oh, I need to make a few bucks. It'd be cool to fly some PA. Cool. You know what I mean? I, I imagine that that was probably more your mindset then, not like, hey, does this mean I'm so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I, I had to Google how to get euros out of an ATM. Like, I didn't mm. know. I was completely clueless. I just... You know, you, you just get the plane ticket in your email and you go and you don't really, you don't really know. So uh, I'm pretty sure I asked guy at least twice. <laughs> like, can I, oh, I yeah. can just use an ATM? Yeah. With, with your, like my American card yeah. that gets me there. Like, yeah. Okay. Sure. He's like, yeah, just hit local currency. Oh, okay. Yeah. And actually yep. you're better off actually just paying with your card because the exchange rate is constantly fluctuating. So you're better off not getting cash anyway when you travel internationally, but that's a whole nother yep. pro tip. You need, you need a, you need a world card. If you decide to do this, get a credit card that works anywhere in the world. And my no first, that first tour, actually a bunch of, I, d- I did a couple European tours with Volby where, uh, I didn't have a world credit card and you just take and you just hemorrhage money when you go to the ATM and it's like, it's like a three dollar fee, and then it's like another like eight dollar fee to like get it. Inter- it's crazy. So yeah, just get a world card. Yeah, and uh, foreign transaction fees don't do them. Just get get anything with zero foreign transaction fees. I, I remember. Uh, so the first time I was in, I was in Europe. This is probably like two thousand seven, um, and uh, <laughs> and I remember like going to pay with my card, and they're like, uh, like you don't have a chip. I'm like, what the hell is a chip? Like this, I mean, obviously stupid Americans were like way behind like everyone else in the world. Um, and like, this was what, you know, almost, you know, 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And like, they had already had chips and uh, I had no, like, I don't have a chip. Like they were like worried that like my card didn't have a chip and they wanted me to sign for my receipt. I'm at like a 7-Eleven or something, you know, <laughs> it was, yeah. The world traveling is, uh, is definitely um, a, a life changing and evolving experience that people should if they have the opportunity to uh, do it. Uh, yeah. And it's cool when uh, someone else pays for it. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yes. Very, very true. Very true. Um, that's cool. That so what, what, what was that first transition like to, to doing, to, to doing monitors? Um, you know, at that point, so I first started doing, actually I got the monitor gig right before the pandemic hit. Mm. We were gearing up that March to go out. Uh, so you can imagine, uh, you know, you see the world falling apart and like you see your opportunity just like 
you know, you're like, oh man, I hope, you know, I hope so it's you still had, there. Pre, so pre-pandemic, you had not mixed monitors for them. Correct. Yeah. So uh, the previous monitor engineer um, just saw, you know, the end of the road life just was like, I kind of want to, you know, hang out with my wife and get a, get a home gig and, and, you know, spend time there and uh, which fair enough. And, and I was honored to uh, get the call to replace him. Um, but you know, that, that initial transition was, it was easier because I had been a part of it for so long, mm. you know, and I was more, you know, my tech, my gig as a tech wasn't setting things up and just letting it run. You know, by that time I had, uh, built a little playback rig for him and, and a playback session. I was doing some playback for him for, for a couple songs. It's nothing that's like show ending if it stops but uh you know sort of frosting on the cake so to speak and uh you know been doing some cues if oh i use a pro x so if if you know the surface there's a B what section. manufacturer is that i'm just kidding uh the <laughs> allen and heath uh pro x uh though uh there, there's a b section that you can lock it's four faders and it, they're totally the uh, independent of the rest of the surface so um Chris, the old monitor guy, would lock those faders for anything that was like cue dependent. Mm. You know, he would focus on mixing Michael in, in the band, and you know, if if they need a click track on and off, like I would just go and reach over and do it. And so I was involved with the show. It's not like I was, uh, yeah, watching I, from I, afar. I would say that's very common for monitor techs. I mean, uh, two two things of what you said. I mean, monitor techs aren't just simply set patching up the stage. Often, depending on the level of the tour. I mean, some engineers might be closer to the white glove side of things and only really walk out when it's kind of showtime and the monotech is doing everything. Monotech has a lot of pre-programming and rehearsals. Um, and it is very common, for whatever reason, for monitor techs to eventually take over the gig that they are checking for, whether it's health, whether it's just another tour opportunity comes up, the person gets fired for whatever reason. Like, there's so many variables. At least two of my opportunities when touring as monitor were because of working uh, as a tech and then rolling into the monitor engineer position. So, you know, much like, you know, the uh, the closest thing to equivalent to, you know, the corporate world in terms of kind of working the ladder. And and I don't want to take it as like, hey, there's different importance level, right? Because I don't want to diminish the fact of, of SEs and stage patch and all that. People can have a, a long career in those positions. So it's not a better than but that is a working of a chain working of a ladder like hey just be okay with doing your time here for a minute um and and the opportunity will come and and often when you least expect it for sure right exactly and uh the kind of thing where uh you know him and i had left the tour we had just done months earlier saying i'll see you next time and then (laughs) uh you know, when I got the call to, to do it, it was like, oh, you're kidding. Like, you're kidding me. I thought we were going to you know, keep doing this. Like, I don't know. I was, I was actually, I was pretty bummed, you know, but, um, all in all, like, like, yeah, the transition, um, was more or less, you know, you'd seen enough shows, you've seen the scenarios on which things started to teeter. So you saw what Chris did to, you know, Chris, uh, Kiriaku, who was the previous engineer did to, to you know, take that thing and put it back in the right direction. So you started to, you understood the language before you were even, uh, you know, thrown into the fire, so to speak. So I had felt like my first show in was, uh, you know, I, if you felt those pre-show jitters, 
but nothing that was uh, particularly foreign, right? You kind of, you know, yeah. there wasn't, they didn't play too many new songs. They had just, you know, rolled in and kind of done one of their older sets. A couple new songs had gotten mixed in, but, you know, it, it was it was good, right? right. So you're starting more, from this baseline. More, more importantly, you, so, and I think this thing that people don't, people don't realize is that um, a good modern engineer could walk up mix any band, but the advantage that you had was you already had the psychology down. Right. I imagine you already knew, you know, the, what their stage presence was, what their attitudes were like, if things weren't right. All, you know, that side, the psychology side of doing monitors and stepping into that role is more important than how well you can mix. Absolutely. You, you kind of become, you know, you have to watch body language and, and their face. Like, like I can I can see, you know, uh, my lead singer's facial expressions. If he is kind of not really nailing it. Like, and you can see that there's something I can kind of do to help him out. Like, you, you got to know that. You can't wait for him to come over and be like, hey, I need more vocal. Like, you kind of just got to see what's going on, see the little the facial expression, you know. Sometimes it's like a little look over to, you know, his left, to over to stage left. And you, you adjust and you bring it all back. And, uh, yeah, and, and once once you understand the band, once you kind of know that, it's, it's kind of... Uh, it's just you know becoming one with that sort of emotion. You know, you, you got to be with the music. You got to pay attention. My hands are always on the faders. They're always watching. You know, you can't well, really and take... the important thing was that when he looked over, you made eye contact because if he wasn't able to make eye contact when he t- turned over, you failed. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know, ninety nine percent of the show, he could not look over. But if you're not looking during that one percent, and then it's yeah, it's, it's, it's over. But um, absolutely, but yeah. The, the transition it, it went well um and uh you know it's, it's kind of been smooth sailing ever since uh denny miller is my compadre at front of house and uh you know he's him cool. and i uh, who's, can you tell us more about him i'm, I'm not familiar with him, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, he's, 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 a, he's a beautiful he's a beautiful human on and off the console for sure he's he's a he's a great dude um and and honestly i've been touring with him my whole career like I said, he was on my first tour, and I've I've been in and out with him ever since. So, um, yeah, he's he's kind of a day one homie, so to speak. Um, but but Denny has a very similar origin story with the band as well. He he had started off um, as systems engineer, and uh, you know when when the front of house engineer left, he he was the guy. He was kind of next in line. He was ready to go. So uh, shout out yeah. to Denny. Yeah, and he. He, that show, holy crap, dude, just watching him mix is like my second favorite thing on that show other than like my actual job. Like, yeah, tuning the PA, whatever. But like, he is, it's so much fun to watch him mix, dude. I've never seen a Volvi show. Is that bad? Like I've never, I've never stood out front for it. I've never had the chance to, but I can only imagine it sounds good. It feels good. Well, all right. I was going to say, I got to bounce off of you had mentioned because I did my homework because I listened to the podcast. I'm giving you those like three cents every Spotify listen. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, you had mentioned uh, in Shelby's episode, which was the last one as of today, which does, how long does it take you guys to put an episode out? Like We typically record, well, we try to record two weeks in advance. Uh, every now and then things happen and we're a week out, but we try to record two weeks out. One to two. Sweet. Cool. Um, so in two weeks, this might not make sense, but the last one's out, the Shelby's. <laughs> and uh, you had 
mentioned how uh, the monitor engineer and the front house engineer kind of have this relationship, at least in my opinion, and you were mentioning the PA in that one French club. Dude, that um, was, I, that was, that, a time. was, that was so wild to me because like, I never hear it from your end. Like I realized the other day, like I've never heard an untuned PA from behind. Real quick, let's give it for the people who maybe have listened to Shelby's episode and didn't hear that part. What was the the, the synopsis so, of what happened there? We were in a Pat. Why don't oh, I'll I'll go for it. Um, we were in a little teeny tiny French club, as you do in the middle of as you do. And so I had gone through tuned the PA, done the whole thing, right? Line check, sound check. Nobody said anything. Pat did not inform me the world was on fire. Denny did not either. All as well. <laughs> um, we roll up. Show starts. Doesn't quite feel or sound right. But, you know, we're in a club. So I'm like, not quite it. So I'm going through the galaxy. What button did I hit? What Did I do something stupid? And Denny kind of looks at me and is like, that, that's not right. So I walk over to the house tech and... Um, we were, uh, our inputs, our physical patching had been run through the opener's console, unbeknownst to any of us, after what? line check and sound check. Was it an Allen and Heath console? Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a Midas, right? It was like a Pro 2 was, or something? It was a Pro 2. Okay, yeah. I think it was a Pro 2. Uh, it was a Midas. I do remember that. It's like burned into my brain. And, uh, <laughs> I, ha- I have half my bingo card filled out, just so we're clear. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, we're, we're going. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's... <laughs> I could, I'm checking out a box of me making a joke anyway. So oh, I my keep... gosh. There we go. Just keep going. <laughs> keep going, Chris. But, yeah, so uh, that that was a lovely moment for, for me. And uh, afterwards, Pat comes up to me and goes, hey, just... You know, with something off with the PA, very, very politely as Pat does, and I was like, "Oh, buddy, let me tell you." We well, just... it, it was it was just uh, reassuring because something was just not sitting right, and not that it was like show ending or like critically wrong, but you know, when when you're in these clubs, right? My my pro X is like the entire stage left wing in oh. most of these spots, so you're you're on stage, you know, more or less behind the stack of whatever they got, whatever fur covered speakers. Uh, hanging and actually no i think this club was like a dnb rig it was, it was pretty five good. aside dnb in case anyone's wondering with uh little baby infills and outfills and uh, subs i think run on stage it's like four but, uh, subs on the stage yeah it just it was just a funky interaction but the the sound uh to bounce off of the conversation that you were having during shelby's episode that i look for and i ask if there's enough <laughs> it's 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 the it's it's not low end but it's not it's not that high mid. It's it's just like like the the, the, the rumble, the, the, right? The chugga. Yeah, chugga. yeah. There's 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 some kind of like like internal bone crunching, like like from a PA that I think my band particularly likes. And, and when you know we're on a bigger stage and it's a it's a festival and we're in, into uh, anything that's like the GSL uh, yeah. series, uh, I tend to, I tend to struggle with a lot on stage because my band's so used to that coming back at them and there's like nothing if it's if it's a well-tuned pa you know it sounds magnificent out the front but out the back yeah. you know you kind of rely on 
have you ever had that. conversations with them? Explain to them like what cardio it is and why they're feeling that way this way that, that today. Do they understand? I mean, have there been any conversation when that type of situation arrives? Denny's Denny's way better at describing those kinds of things than I am. Um, but I think no matter what, not to say it goes over the head, but I don't think it necessarily matters. To the, it just kind of needs to fit in a pocket, and if it does or doesn't we adjust and we move. So, so to my stage on Volbeat, I guess we can talk about that a little bit. Um, I have a line of wedges. I get three vocals across the front, 11 MJF two tens. If I'm carrying, um, across the front. Um, so, and, and I also mix ears for the band. So that combination of physics from the wedge plus, you know, the accuracy from the ears is kind of what makes up my stage sound. Um, but I started on these festivals where there'd be PA that was super directional, like a, like a GSL KSL. Um, I would start to ask to use local side fills to kind of fill mm. in that extra mud and just, and just send a mix to it. Kick, snare, guitars, you know, nothing that would be necessarily accurate to a performer if they weren't wearing their in-ears, but, uh, something that provides, uh, the stage with just that baseline. I mean, it's rock, it's metal, you know? Uh, and these guys came from, uh, you know, wedges and right. that that massive stage volume. And when you take that away, like the music almost loses something. You know, there's there's something when you grow up on it that you need to feel in For your sure. bones. That guitar, so. you can almost tell too, which is really weird. Like what? Because we had a lot of D and B on these festivals. Like we went through a stretch there where just like a couple weeks that it was just KSL GSL all the time and. Yeah, it was, I don't want to say the show necessarily felt different, but like, I, I feel like I could see you guys doing more. Yeah, you know, there, there's a certain, there's a certain just, I don't know, uh, like I said, it's it's that <laughs> coming back. And if, if it's not there and that, that combination of the wedges and, and side fills, if I need them, doesn't happen, it, you know you rely a little bit on the PA and in most of these festivals too, we would have a thrust. Um, so, you know, we were talking 10, 15 up to like 30, 40 feet out in front of the PA. Um, and, and the band loves it out there. If, if I honestly, if I could spec like, you know, 20 boxes of side fill to just point at the band, like, <laughs> hey, I think it would be crushing. I'm sure, but. I'm sure Denny would love you. Uh, he would, yeah. I feel like he just, like, tur- you know. I mean, turn do we him, do we way. really want to have some? I mean, like, I don't know. No, no, no. We don't. <laughs> we don't need it. But you know, th- thankfully, though, honestly, the the band is it, super receptive. They're they're very, um, they understand that sometimes things happen, right? Which is good to work for a band like that and. Yeah. Know, to, to, to just understand that, hey, sometimes you roll into a rig and it's a, we're in a club rig with some unknown PA. You can't even find the website online anymore, you know? Oh, you Versus, tried. you know, yeah, uh, our, our tour, Sam and I's tour is particularly unique because we started out in these smaller clubs. We probably did like 10 shows. Yeah. And, you know, 10, 12 shows throughout the UK and France that were all small clubs and then immediately went to rock and ring. And like, I mean, like the, in in the span of a week, I think we played an 800, a 1200 like cap clubs and then like rock and ring, rock and park. Yeah. You're it like, was, okay. I was, was like 
literally like 80,000 people out there, you know? We did one so, headline show that was like, I think 12 or 17,000 people or something. We did Hanover in between. And that was, that was like this, like, I got like a one show, like mid ground. And then it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that was. But that's fun. That's, that's the magic of it. Welcome to Europe, I guess, you know? Yeah, that was uh, an experience for my first time over there because I had, as my first run as an SE, that was a very steep escalation very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> well, guess it's the same thing, just bigger, right? It'll be fine. Uh, that was the only time we we walked into Hanover, and I think I swore like a sailor for about 30 seconds out of my breath when I looked around and I saw the delays, and then I was like, I don't have wireless. That's right. <laughs> so that was, I very, very thankfully thank you to all of our wonderful festival vendors. I borrowed wireless. I begged, borrowed, stole, whole tour, just whatever i don't care what it is give me something and uh we made it through but yeah that was not entirely it was great for the clubs it was fine of course but yeah and it was super helpful for me because you you will tell me right because you you know what your stage feels like you know if the pa is tuned well you know if it's not and you will tell me if you're like this doesn't feel right dude and like that has been super helpful to me because i've never met another monitor engineer who talks like that to like to the se and uh, honestly working working with denny to shout him out again if i'm like hey man like low end's killer up here he he's not like we'll figure it out he's he's like all right let me work with you i've got tricks you know let's make this thing work because you know we've worked on pas that have been the complete opposite where they shoot more sound backwards and they do forwards <laughs> or a sub arc right. that's what, what manufacturers are those i'm, just, I'm kidding i don't know <laughs> No one, no one I want to mention, but uh, uh, Alan and Heath, PA. Sorry. Uh, Man. Sorry, Jeff Hawley. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it works to, It works when you're an audio team and, and you're, you have a goal, right, to mm. make the show as awesome for everyone, the band, the four dudes on stage, and the 80,000 in the crowd. If you have that mutual goal of, making it the best show you're going to do that day then you know and that's things, such the things vibe. tend to go well yeah and that is like you guys are like that was the thing that surprised me the most and mike and i had a conversation when i got back he was like how how was it and i was like i think it's the first time i ever walked into a group of people and just like everyone was like that everybody is just like how do we make this better how's that's what's the problem let's solve it like it is it's i think it's so easy to feel like you're on an island and like i was very very surprised that like never once that even like crossed my mind it's always like all right if you got a problem here's a hundred people that are gonna have your back and everybody's super understanding and that was like just absolutely phenomenal and yeah working with denny is like living on cheat code like it's doesn't count (laughs) like it's he doesn't count it's fine it's denny he's his own entity um and that so that's been absolutely phenomenal and yeah it's just like i think it's not talked about enough just like that team mentality because mm. i hadn't thought about it until i had to verbalize it and then i was like yeah that's that was the difference for for sure and and i walk into it in, in both the camps i work to regularly whether it's denny out front or, or scott out front you know you're you're making this 
mutual compromise in all, not a compromise in a detrimental sense, but more of a compromise of like, all right, I can give you this if you can give me that. Like for Denny and I, uh, we, uh, we, we got some new mics over this last tour. We got a bunch of new, uh, DPA 4099s and all that hoo-ha. Yeah. Check. Uh, another, another brand check. The, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that check's coming in the mail, but, uh, um, you know, for the first couple of shows, we would sit and talk in, in the front lounge and just be like, Hey, you know, I think, uh, I need more of this tone in the ride. I need the hi-hat to move here. I think Tom three was great, but Tom five kind of suffered. And, and we all move these things and we kind of get this generalization together. And it's important to just, uh, you know, recognize the team mentality of, you know, you're not here serving anyone else, but, but the show, right. Mm. You're not, where, where's the ego in the monitor world? There's none, you know, I'm, I'm here to make sure that they have a great show. Right. So, uh, you know, just trying to figure all that out. And it, it's just, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful environment if everyone's smiling at the end of the day. I'm but. curious, because uh, uh, some people may not realize this, but uh, how how unique are, or how unique and or different are the mixes for your guys on stage? I think um, that's one of the things that early on as a monitor, I was a surprise, especially, it was, it was one thing with wedges, right? With wedges, it was, you only put what you absolutely needed in the wedges, right? But once we move to ears, right, it's whatever you want. You know, do you want a CD mix with your thing just on top? Do you want, you know, uh, just your whatever, you know? So, um, and some people, I mean, uh, I, uh, it, there's just mixes where I only listen to if I have to check and make sure everything's cool and I'm never going to actually ever sit on that mix. <laughs> um, like the ones that want the click, like an ice pick in their center of their skull and i can't understand how you hear anything but this click but okay i'm doing what you asked me to do uh to people where it's like yeah just you know a lot of singers are just yep make a cd mix and just put me right on top of that you know so i'm just curious like from you know uh, your stage how does that how's that go (laughs) um there's definitely differences uh so one of one of my band members is actually not even on the same manufacturer veneers that the rest are Okay. So when you switch over to that mix, it you have to remember that it, it's not going to make sense on on your rock sands. It's 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 a different, different you know, complete you know different environment, right? Um, so th- there's that, but but then again, you know, a lot of the band kind of follows what you were saying. It's more of like everything, you know, happening, and then a little bit of them on top. But uh, I'm constantly shifting. My mix style is pretty, uh, pretty active, and I'm constantly moving things to make room for other things. Especially for uh, the lead lead singer. You know, he has mm. a, he has a lot of vocal in his mix, so it's often Shocking. a lot of vocal and a lot of reverb and delay. You know, it and, and loves it, bathes in it. Yeah. When we when we move to a room that's not um, that's not active enough, you know, you can this the swirly sound that that means reverb you know yeah. swirly move no, when, I, when um, i was doing josh 50, 50 milliseconds of pre-delay was was the vocal i mean the reverb in his um <laughs> in his ears yeah but uh you know so you're constantly making room for stuff and i'm actually surprised that some some guys who who have little to nothing in their mix right so when it's just like like only one guitar a little bit of vocal and like kick snare 
and you're like, all right, well, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to say that you need more or less, but you know, if you make the show happen, then do you, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's often interesting what, what performers tend to rely on, right. Especially when you're coming from a wedge environment and then starting on in-ears, it's like, what do they want to take with them into that world? Uh, and for some, it's a ton of reverb and a ton of their own vocal uh, with some guitar. Um, but w- we, we actually did switch um, models. We were on Angie's for a little bit. Actually, the entirety of uh, uh, Michael being on in-ears, uh, the lead singer. And uh, we had just brought Roxanne's into the equation. I brought some demos during a sound check on Ghost and, you know, took like two chugs and was like, yeah. I want these. These are my new my new in ears, um, and and that also adds a different environment too. Because when you have, you know, you go from in ear design for like a a vocalist, and then bring in this full range, badass sounding Roxanne, the guitars. You don't you need to do less work, right? You just turn the guitar yeah. up, and you know, Kemper XLR console ear, like no processing <laughs> flat. That's great, um, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely always surprised, um, especially if you're spinning up a band that you don't know, like at a festival or a one-off or something, what, you know, they'll come up and be like, I just, I don't want the bass player. He, he messes me up or, <laughs> you know, you start to learn like the inner feuds of the band by like what they request. And You know, it's going to be a rough day when the drummer says they don't want to hear the bass player, just saying. Uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> but, uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's often interesting kind of dissecting a mix. And uh, when I first started with the band, too, I didn't have matching in-ears. I just had my 11s mm. and when I was teching. And uh, when, I, when I finally got matching in-ears to the band, you start to hear a whole different mix. You know, there's finally context to it versus, you know, if you're, if you're kind of in your own world or, or not really matched or not, even on like a multi, you know, 11s might have what, like four drivers versus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quads. You know. Yeah, I literally have my U11s right here. <laughs> there you go. Boom. Um, but, but yeah, like, you know, uh, I, I forget where we went with the question. <laughs> no, okay. well, let's, let's, let's get into the Godsmack thing. I'm going to hear. I, um, I have questions. Yeah. So. Yeah, go for it. I have answers. Good. And I think Maybe. we talked a little bit about this. You, you let me pick your brain. Um, you have been with them both in studio and live. Yes. So what's that like? How's how crazy different? Because you now have recording credits. So congratulations to your first album credits. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, if it's even, and it's not announced. I don't know. It, it's coming out, but I think it's done. Um, at least my contribution of it is done. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's cool. It, when you have to put on that other hat and, um, you know, get your pro tools chops up out of nowhere versus just me pressing three on the road. I just open my laptop, the template, press three. That's my, that's the extent of my pro tools on the road. But, you know, having to actually relearn how to edit and, you know, comp comp takes and edit drums and, and all this stuff. Um, and also kind of a swapped mentality of like, uh, actually having to, or, you know, you rethink your miking technique completely. When you're live, you're kind of looking for more source-specific things versus in the studio, you have the luxury of, um, you know, a good room and a good environment 
and really good preamps and really good mics, you know, versus, you know, having a, a windy stage with, with stage volume with, you know, you want directionality. You don't necessarily need the, the best microphone on the market versus the studio where you, you can get away with doing that. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a really cool experience, uh, getting to work with them, uh, in the studio and working with, uh, their producer, uh, Andrew Murdoch, who did their first two records, uh, they brought him back to do the other one, uh, this last one. And, uh, yeah, so, I guess that's all I'm going to say for now. Cause sure. who knows where it's at. So I'll go, I'll go nerdy. So you don't get yelled at. Um, what have you taken, if anything, from the studio back into live, like after that experience? Like are there things that you do differently now or did you maybe change your mind, like just mindset on some things in terms of like miking techniques or just are you looking for different sounds than you were before? Like how's how's that been? Um, I think we, we really dug deep on, on the first couple of days of pre-pro on mic placement on a guitar cabinet. You know, I had never really gone as deep as we went you know uh really finding sweet spots on the cabinets and realizing kind of what the thing that you're recording um requires in the moment because you can do it with a microphone versus having to reach for an eq off the bat you know and there's all these different uh personalities you can gather from the amp um you know they, they use live cabinets live so my sound for, for them live is, uh, is a mic'd cabinet. So, you know, ex exploring that and, and, and realizing that there's a, a million different places you can put a 57 and you're going to get <laughs> a million different sounds. You know, what you need in that moment kind of strictly depends on where the mic lands. So I thought that was cool. Um, and, and, you know, you don't really use stereo miking that much right. live, you know, you're, you're more or less mixing a, a very big mono show if, if you're mixing out front and uh, you're not really relying on true stereo image. You don't, you don't, you're not going to get it really in the in-ears and getting it in a PA environment. You might have like three guys really enjoying the, yeah. the Blumline pair you set up in front of the drum kit. But on a record, that's, you know, that's the whole room. That's, that's the whole magic of, of really digging into stereo micing techniques. So, Digging into that, and, and I think, you know, really digging into finding all the sounds you could from a guitar cabinet is what I took from from that record. But It's really cool. Yeah. So, Chris, going That's into that. your live, your your Godsmack questions. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh, actually, I, you know, you, you mentioned that you don't, uh, it's funny, you had, Slightly mentioned that not doing stereo as much in the ears, or it doesn't affect as much. I, uh, you know, I, can you maybe unpack it a little bit? Because I, I, I would actually argue that um, that is a benefit of ears, and you can actually move things around. Uh, uh, oh. oh, I just mean like, um, like all right. So I mean like a, like a real stereo miking technique, like a okay. like a like a line pair, or like a like a true xy or that kind okay, of thing like fair, we kind of get away with like a space pair over the drums sure. live and of course you can pan it and of course it's going to make it sound big but you know the the scientific stereoness of it more or less gets lost in in that environment versus when you have that 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 you know laboratory sterile safe environment like a studio you can get a, you can start to mess around with 
how a stereo pair can perceive an instrument or a group of instruments in that case. Sure. But, what's what's something that since you know Volbeat and Godsmack are similar in some ways in terms of genre based? Um, what's something that's completely different from one camp to the other? Whether it's uh, uh, you know sonically, technically, personally, what's what's you know, the, what's the difference there? Hmm. You know, it's 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 kind of crazy you ask that because when you zoom way out, they're both four piece rock bands. You know, everyone's fantastic at what they do, and together it makes you know this thing that we work for. But uh, as far as differences go, um, hmm. And I mean, you flew Next from question. well. I mean, you flew from one tour to the other. <laughs> Right? This one, right. I mean, you went straight. I mean, you're however long you laid, like had a plane layover in the middle of somewhere, you know, your crazy little detour. Um, what was, let, let me ask that maybe is a better place to start. You know, what was it like jumping straight from tour to tour? Like absolutely having no downtime. Uh, well, I went right from ghost full beat to doing the record. So I guess it was, you know, uh, putting on a new hat. It was, it's, it's, it's the same, probably North Face hat, but, uh, <laughs> the same, uh, Allen and Heath branded hat. And, uh, <laughs> Careful. You might get one. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I don't know. Let's see. Man, you're going to need to edit the hell out of this. Now. Uh, it's fine. We don't. Sorry, It'll Sam. be all right. <laughs> sorry, Sam. Um, this is the good stuff though. Yeah. I don't know. So, so I guess more or less, um, you know, you're, you're putting on the same hat, but different and, uh, you know, everything just kind of bled into the next thing because the studio was more of a continuation of like what I got pulled in during the pandemic. Um, uh, the, the band ha- has a studio, had a studio locally to, to where I was living and, uh, I kind of gotten pulled in to start doing some Pro Tools stuff for, for the band and and more of the demo thing. And so after the Ghost Full Beat Tour, we really started to hone in and, and do the record. It's It was more of the uh, the finishing. of It was like the end of the pandemic for me, right? It Everything had come to fruition, and uh, we had more or less gotten through it in a weird way. Um, well, then here, after, I, after I had just recovered sorry. from COVID. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. What's uh, maybe another way to look at this? And um, we talk about this and say, hey, like, you know, what does an SC get out of a show versus whatever front of house she gets out of a show, right? So, okay, you, you doing your monitor work with either actor, artist, or whatever versus mm-hmm. doing the studio stuff, right? So, what's the pinnacle for you in a day being a monitor engineer? And that, that, that juice that keeps you coming back from that. And, and then um, from the studio standpoint, what's the pinnacle of from the, from the studio side for you? That's interesting. You get the quick fix live always. You know, your hard work is instantly, instantly done, more or less. That show drops, you hear the outro, and the PA starts raining from the sky, and you, and you get that, like, little rush, and you're done, Right. And you go on to the next show. While I feel like uh, when you're curating this thing in the studio, um, you might spend a whole day tracking an instrument or a song or a thing. And all you walk out with is the unedited version of whatever you're done with. And you don't necessarily see the end product 
off the bat. While I feel like live, yeah, you're done, right? Show right, ends. So what? What? So what keeps you going back to the studio? What's what is it about that process that, short of making money, uh, <laughs> um, what's what? what inspires you to pursue that and and what, what latches on there for you? Um, it, it's an interesting contrast to live while kind of being the same, but different, but the same, but different. Right. Because, um, you know, uh, the time-based factor of live things are happening in the moment. And once they happen, they're done more or less. They, they'll never happen in that environment around Mm -hmm. that same people ever again. It, it, It happens and it's done. Yeah. While well, in the studio, in the studio, you know, you, you can't cut corners. You can't say, oh, well, this is good enough. We can just make the show happen. It's like, mm. you know, so I think that element of it is intriguing to me. And I really like that part of it because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you could do 40 guitar takes and number three was your best one. So, you know, that's the magic and the beauty of it that that kind of keeps me going back to it. Um I would argue it also it exercises a different part of your brain, and totally. uh, you know. Uh, so I mean, that's um, look. It's part of like I don't know why I do the podcast, right? So it's like this is this is a therapy and, a, and a, an outlet for me to do something different. Even just like the con, you know, uh, the graphics and stuff that I have to make or other around a like I'm, I'm doing other creative things that get the, it's. Um, maybe not my center true passion, but it's evolved around or an extension of or whatever. And that's what I, I through the years, uh, you know, last decade or so, I've noticed that like I always kind of have to have my hand in something related, but on the outskirts or something, you know, in, in that new challenging or mental space experience. That um, so for me, I, I think that probably would would be the same. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I picked up photography because mm. it is the same but different in a weird way you know like your mic gain is your iso mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know like your your lens is your microphone choice like and you can start to be really creative with those uh sort of tools right and it and it's the same but different in a weird way you know yeah. uh yeah but i did the same thing with yeah. videography just my i have my one little baby drone and that's it's my hobby it's great and i i baby it and I it comes c- with me everywhere I love it. Yeah, I crashed. I crashed my drone. It was. It was the same. I'm day. bringing mine with me in the fall. So it's, you should. It's so we'll, we'll have some fun with the dude. But yeah, that's that's super cool. And I always love hearing what everybody does. That's sort of an outlet, but like not all the way there because it's still got to be close enough, right? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I I stopped bringing my camera around because of my. The weight of my suitcase was just getting too much because when you start bringing in all all the nonsense but uh i think i have to start bringing it around again because it, it's such a nice it's it's what i like to call an enabler on a day off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it makes you want to go explore hamburg because you want to go take pictures of statues or birds or people or like you know it's it's yeah it's something that is just rather than you know i mean granted the iphone is so good now that you can get away with you know, taking some really cool photography, but nothing beats a, I don't know. It's not the same nice experience. DSLR. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, totally. No, I, that, that enabling kind of thing. I, but, I really um, like that. I've, and so I will say this, like what, what was learning to tour like for you? Like just with the travel, cause you got thrown way into like, let's just go to the other side of the world and figure it out. Um, 
it was, you know, I had a lot of really good people surrounding me on all of my firsts of, of the world where, uh, if, if something was, you know, if there was ever a question, there's always an answer to it, which I really appreciated. So I always had really good people surrounding me and it made that transition really easy. Cause just for me, my entire childhood I had spent, you know, in new England or Disney world. And we went to Las Vegas once, yeah. you know, and, and one, one time the Disney cruise went to one of the islands, but yeah, you know, like for, for me, the whole traveling thing, uh, really started when I first started touring and, uh, being surrounded by, by good people and, and good, you know, environments just allowed that transition to be really easy for me. But, uh, yeah, starting out, I guess it's just managing, um, managing your pack more or less because like, you know, you start to bring all this stuff and then you realize that you only wear black t-shirts and, and jeans, <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, I'm going to take days off. Yeah. You know, ah, oh, you know, I got to take all this stuff and, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll go hiking. So I should put these boots in or maybe I'm going to, I don't know, go skateboarding. I don't skateboard, but maybe I'll do it. I'll put these <laughs> shoes in or, or maybe I'll bring my bike cleats. Maybe I'll find, you know, SPD pedals out in the environment, and, you know, and, and your bag can get really heavy. So I think it's just managing your pack. And, uh, once I, once I dialed that in touring got pretty easy. Also, uh, packing cubes. Oh my God. I got turned on to those. Oh my God. So, oh, oh my goodness. So that, Pat and I had, crazy. had drinks with a, one of our, um, like set carps and, it was like a whole like three hour conversation about packing cubes somewhere in the world. And we're all just sitting there and Pat and I are like, like this dude has like color coded, like systemed out packing cubes. Right. Love you, Josh. Mean it. And so, um, like we're sitting there and Pat and I, the next off day dead ass, both went bought packing cubes. And let me tell you, I, I normally keep a couple of them, but like, I apparently was just so underprepared and so like under cubed, like just was not having adequate categories or something. Uh, and I am now, there's two types of people, those that use packing cubes and those that don't. And I have officially joined. I'm, I'm team cube. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm ready. And I, I can't wait for my signal to noise branded packing cubes to show up in the mail because yeah, you know, with yeah, I mean, Japali makes just, just, Alan just, Heath, so yeah, just Chris's face embroidered into a packing cube every time <laughs> I open up my underwear, you know. I'm ready. Nice, that'd be great. All right. um, but yeah, for real, I mean, uh, I don't know, just managing that and and realizing that like things are cool, right, and not to get worn down by maybe folks around you that, uh, you know, you got to take the time obviously to recharge, but there are some folks who recharge a lot more often than others. And you got to realize that sometimes you just get thrown into Athens, Greece, and you have to go explore. You can't, there's no amount of hotel Netflix surfing that can make that environment better. Right. Yeah. Yes. Granted, sometimes you, you land in, you know, Indiana somewhere and you have to you have to fight through a Chili's to get a healthy meal, but like, <laughs> you know, so, you know, you, enjoying the environment around you, realizing that, you know, it's cool. Right. And, and, uh, and to almost get humbled by that experience, I think makes the whole thing better. Absolutely. 
That's cool. All right. Well, I will ask Michael's question for him since he's not here. Um, if we're coming to your place and we're going somewhere to eat, where are we going? All right. So I live I live near Lowell, Mass, and it has a, uh, a, a massive Asian community. And there's this really, really awesome um, Asian fusion. Uh, it's, a, it's a total hole-in-the-wall spot, but it's called Sizzling Kitchen. And they make these badass beef and bop uh, dishes in uh, this like hot stone bowl, and it comes out sizzling. And they just crack a raw egg into it, and it just cooks in the nice. rice. And it's it's awesome. So that's where I'd probably take you guys. That sounds so fantastic. So if you're ever in like you know Lowell, Mass, that's the move. Oh, we got a uh, we got uh, a, Mr. Churnside is trying to about. show up. Uh, we'll see if he actually makes it in the door here. But uh, in the meantime, Sam, after right. your... Uh... So, Pat, what do you wish you knew when you first started? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, you knew it was coming. Did I? No, he's not cl- He's not Club Rutabaga, apparently. Oh. So he did homework, but he didn't get far <laughs> didn't enough in the episodes all the way to, the end. to know that these are the questions that are coming at the end. What, what did I wish I knew? Um... Let's see. You wish you knew this question was coming, apparently. No. <laughs> yeah, yes, for, for real. <laughs> Waiting for it. Uh, no, you know, I wish... I wish I knew... Jeez. I wish I knew maybe the... the... the, the strain that, you know... I wish I knew how to... Uh, say no earlier on and, hmm. and maybe like balance things out. Cause I feel like my first couple years of touring, I just said yes to anyone who wanted to, which I guess you needed to do, right. You got to do for a certain amount, but, but I think the pandemic kind of, kind of reined that in for me. Cause I got a real taste of, uh, you know, living at home for real, for real. And, you know, I wish I just had, uh, maybe recognize that sooner. Right. Sure. It's, it's it's important, right? You gotta. What, what good is what good is touring all the time if you can't spend it at home and enjoy, you know, your partner and your family, your friends, and yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I in the episode of Kyle and I were um, doing our initial deep dive into the the work life balance and burnout and things like that. Uh, actually, um, uh, it was. Him and I did like a Q and A, which is, um, and at the end we kind of dips into that. And um, it, it, the, my answer started off with the question was something from Facebook of like, um, you know, uh, how do you know what the the time to be, you know, old and grumpy versus young and get it and that mentality or whatever. And uh, and my my initial my gut response was like, yeah, when you're young, get it, get it, get it, you're right, you know. And I was like, oh shit, well maybe. Uh, I perpetuated this mentality of get it, get it, get it, and now I don't know how to get out of that mentality. You know, that was a very like aha moment of like, <laughs> you know, that it's definitely instilled into us. And like, I, like right now, um, from because post pandemic, right, people are afraid to say no, even though they've learned to enjoy no, be uh, because you know we all thought this was never possible and yet it was right and so it's like people are still reeling from the financial impacts from that and they don't know when it's going to come again so yeah it's a, such a delicate um 
mental thing to balance for sure. I mean, I think the thing I'm trying really hard to do is to pace myself because I, I don't want to say no, but I'm definitely going to make sure that like, I, I have a personal role, like for every like three to five months on, I get like, I take a full four weeks off, like four to six. And like, that's been really nice. Not that my four weeks off is ever actually four weeks off, but uh, it is nice to know that like, uh, for me, I need to relearn how to be in the same place. And like, that was, that was harder than I was expecting to like wake up in the same location three days in a row. And I was like, Oh, I'm still here. And then I was like, I live here. Of course I'm still here. <laughs> um, but you just oh, get, so this is what I pay rent. Right. For. I was like, Oh, this is what I've been, it's the thing I've been spending all my money on. And so, you know, just, I wasn't necessarily, I think expecting that. So getting to enjoy it has been really nice. And like that, if you don't have the contrast, both become a lot, I think for me, cause I, you get so conditioned into, I will do it again and again and again and again and again. And it's great. And you just get used to this like constant stress level of always like traveling and going and flying or on and off places. And so I, I don't want to do like 11 months straight, like something crazy and like, not do that because i think if i did i would just like accidentally never go back yeah for sure i mean unless you're i don't know there's definitely a too much yeah for sure a too much and i think i was reaching that too much point at the uh towards the end of our summer tour because i had really i had really been out since january and and for me my my cup was full and the cup was full of uh, needing to go home and uh, you know, like it's, it's easy to, to forget that time kind of goes by when you're on the road in this bubble that exists outside of you waking up to a day sheet and, and eating your, your powdered eggs and, and soggy bacon and, you know, watching someone chalk the arena floor. Like, like it's, it's such a different, you know, world and to, you know, miss miss holidays and miss birthdays and miss your friends and you gotta you gotta be home for sure but uh but also touring is cool so you know (laughs) getting 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 your fill when you can and uh getting out when it starts getting too crazy and kind of recognizing that within yourself right and finding those points to recharge and yeah absolutely all right chris so pat if so you Chris, could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Uh, I would like, so if someone's like, oh, yeah, you know Pat? And they'd be like, yeah, I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's pretty cool. And then that's that's pretty much about it. If, if <laughs> I get like, if I get like, yeah, he's pretty cool, then like, sweet, done. That's all I, you need. I, I've won. Or, you know, I, you know, you got to just be cool enough for your mom, right? You just got to be like, yeah, like, yeah, my son's cool. And that's it. My mom thinks I'm cool. My mom, my mom's crazy. She'll, she'll handwrite all the tour dates out and like cross them off as days goes on. Oh, wow. And, uh, she'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk on the phone and she'll ask me where I am. Like she doesn't already know. <laughs> <laughs> and she started to understand too, where like, you know, even though you have a day, a show the next day in a city, you might be halfway there in a hotel 
you know. Oh, I thought you were in, uh, you know, San Francisco, and it's like, oh no, I'm halfway there in a, <laughs> in a motel six somewhere. But yeah, or, I don't know. Or yeah, in a just, thirteen hour submarine ride or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just, just be cool. That's yeah, that's my legacy. I would I would like to just be like, yeah, Pat's cool. That's it. Done. Sick. That's it. That's awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, hanging out with us and gracing us with your uh, studied presence. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It, it was an it was an absolute honor to be on the Signal to Noise podcast, brought to you by Alan and Heath, Audits Microphones, and RCF. There we go. Look at wow. that. Is that good? Is that good? That was amazing. That's the new pre-roll. Did I, Love it. Did, Love I, did it. I miss a sponsor? No. Nope. Right? You hit all of them. Yeah, that's just, all right. You you got them better than I do, man. Should I plug the OM7? We use the OM7 uh, for Volbeat. There you go. Boom. Audits. There you go. There you go. See? Bing, bang, boom. 